Chapter 19 of The Pony Rider Boys in the Rockies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Michelson. The Pony Rider Boys in the Rockies by Frank G. Patchen. Chapter 19 Lost in the Mountains. Fortunately, however, their fall proved to be a very short one though to Tad it seemed as if they had been falling for an hour. Boy and horse landed on a soft, mossy bank, rolling over and over, the pony kicking and squealing with fear, until, finally, both came to a stop at the bottom of the hill. Tad was unharmed, save for the unmerciful treatment he had received during his record-breaking journey. Yet he proposed to take no further chances of losing his horse if he had the good fortune to find the animal still alive tad came up like a rubber ball with a quick leap he threw himself fairly on the pony's side the impact made the little horse grunt his feet beating a tattoo in the air in his desperate struggles to free himself whoa commanded tad sharply sliding forward and sitting on the animal's head which position he calmly maintained until the pony, realizing the uselessness of further opposition, lay back, conquered. Yet the boy did not rise immediately. Instead, he patted the pony's neck gently, speaking soothing words and calming it until the animal's quivering muscles relaxed and it lay breathing naturally. "'Good boy, Jimmy,' he said, recognizing the pony as Ned's. "'Now,' After you have rested a bit, we'll see what we can do about getting back to camp. If I'm any judge, you and I are not going to have a very easy time of it on the back track either, Jimmy. Without a compass, with only a hazy idea of the direction of which they had been traveling, Tad's task indeed was a difficult one. I think we'll walk a bit, Jimmy, he confided to the pony, and taking the little animal by the bridle, began leading it cautiously up the slope which he ascended by a roundabout course, remembering the jump they had taken on the way down. Tad was not likely to forget that. The boy's eyes were heavy for want of sleep, and his wounds pained him beyond words. After somewhat more than an hour's journey, he pulled up, looking about him. "'I'm afraid we two pards are lost, Jimmy.' The pony rubbed its nose against him, as if in confirmation of the lad's words. "'And the further we go, the more we shall be lost.' Jimmy, the best thing for you and me to do will be to go to bed. Lie down, Jimmy. That's a good boy. As Tad tapped the pony gently on the knees, the little animal slowly lowered himself to the ground, finally rolling over on his side with a snort. Good boy, soothed Tad. Then, snuggling down with the pony's neck for his pillow, the bridle rein twisted about one hand, Tad went as sound asleep as if he had not a care in the world and without thought of the perils which the mountains about them held. Yet some good fairy must have been watching over Tad Butler, for not a sound broke the stillness until a whinny from Jimmy at last disturbed his slumbers. The boy opened his eyes in amazement. It was broad daylight. Tad's first care was to tether the pony to a sapling, after which he searched about until he found a mountain stream, in which he washed, feeling greatly refreshed afterwards. He then treated the pony as he had himself, washing the animal down, and allowing it to quench its thirst in the stream. Not much of a breakfast, is it, Jimmy? But you can help yourself to leaves. That's where you have the best of me. Not being a horse, 
I can't eat leaves. I wonder where I am. Gazing about him inquiringly, the boy failed to recognize the landscape at all. In fact, he did not believe he had ever seen it before. When the sun rose, he declared to himself that it had come up right out of the west. What little sense of direction he might have had left was entirely lost after this, and Tad sat down to think matters over. Once he raised his head sharply and listened, he was sure that he had heard a shot, far off towards the rising sun. Tad wished with all his heart that he had a rifle with him, for he realized that with it he might be able to attract attention. I certainly cannot sit here and starve to death, he decided after Jimmy had satisfied his own hunger from the fresh leaves. Come on, Jimmy, we'll go somewhere anyway. Saying which, Tad methodically patched the broken bridle rein together, mounted the pony's bare back, and set off to climb the low mountain that loomed ahead of him. He had gone thus for nearly two hours, without finding any trace of either the camp or his late companions, when a sound off in the bushes to the right of him caused him to pull Jimmy up sharply. Jimmy pricked up his ears and whinnied. That's strange, muttered Tad. He wouldn't be likely to do that if it was a wild animal over there. Judging from past experiences, he'd run. Once more did Jimmy set up a loud whinny, and to Tad's surprise and delight, the signal was answered by a similar call-off in the sagebrush. It's a horse. I believe it's one of the ponies, cried Tad, turning his mount in the direction from which the sounds had seemed to come, and galloping rapidly towards the place. Next the boy uttered a shout of joy. His delight was great, after he had penetrated the sage, to come suddenly upon a pony contentedly munching a mouthful of green leaves, and gazing at him with great wondering eyes. Texas! shouted the boy. Tad had indeed come upon his own faithful little pony. Texas, you rascal! You come right here! What do you mean by running away from me like this? Texas swished his tail, shaking his head and stamping his feet, as if in mute protest at his owner's chiding. Yet the pony made no attempt to run away, as his master rode up beside him. Leaping to the ground, Tad petted the animal, throwing his arms around its neck, as if he had found a long-lost friend. The two ponies, too, rubbed noses, and in other ways expressed their satisfaction at once more being together. Now, reassured and almost as well satisfied as if he had eaten a hearty breakfast, Tad mounted his own pony, and, taking Jimmy in tow, pressed on once more, hoping eventually to come out somewhere near the camp. But the boys' companions had not been idle. Lige had prepared their breakfast without waking them. When he called them, they sprang up, rubbing their eyes, and a few minutes later gathered around the hot meal. "'What's the first thing this morning?' asked Ned, after learning that Tad had not yet returned. "'Breakfast,' answered the guide. "'Next we'll look for the ponies, and then go after Master Tad.' More fortunate in their search than they had hoped for, the party within the hour succeeded in rounding up all the ponies save Jimmy and Texas. One of the two they knew Tad had gone away with, so, after a council, it was decided to take the animals they had captured and make an effort to find Tad Butler. "'I'm going to try an experiment,' announced Lige, after they had returned to camp with the stock. Calling the hounds, Ginger and Mustard, to him, the guide allowed them to sniff the saddles and saddle clothes of Jimmy in Texas. After that, he showed them Tad Butler's hat. The intelligent animals, after sniffing attentively at the articles, 
looked up at the guide as much as if to say, "'Well, what about it? Go after them, fetch them, Ginger and Mustard,' he urged. With noisy barks, the dogs began running about the camp with noses to the ground, sniffing at the ponies again and again, the little party in the meantime watching them with keen interest. All at once, with a deep bay, Mustard struck out for the bushes, followed an instant later by Ginger. "'They've got it! They've got it!' shouted Lige. "'That's the way Tad went. Now if those brutes don't get sidetracked on the trail of a bobcat, we ought to round up some of our missing friends.' Lige bade Ned to accompany him on Jojo, and directed the others to remain in camp, not to move from it until their return. Then the two horsemen set off at a gallop, following the swiftly moving dogs. Lige knew that he was on the right track, for Tad, as he was dragged through the bushes, had left a plainly marked trail, that is, plain to the experienced eyes of the mountain guide, who nodded his head with satisfaction as he noted the course the dogs were taking. Tad pulled up his pony, and, leaning forward, listened intently. He faintly caught the distant baying of a hound. Placing a hand to his mouth, he gave a long, piercing war-hoop. The dog's baying seemed to come nearer. Now and then, as the animal sank into a ravine, the sound would be lost momentarily, only to be taken up again with added force when the crest of the hill was reached. Once more, Tad sent out his long, thrilling war-cry. It was answered by a rifle shot, but from the perplexing echoes he was unable to place it. The ponies now pricked up their ears inquiringly. Jimmy snorted, and, for the moment, acted as if he were ready to bolt again. Tad slapped him smartly on the flanks, sternly commanding him to stand still. "'There they are!' cried the boy, as the dogs stretched out their full lengths, with tails held straight out behind them, swept down a gentle slope on the other side of the valley and, taking the hill on his side, rose sharply to the pinnacle where he was sitting on his pony. "'Ginger! Mustard!' was the glad cry uttered by Tad Butler, as the dogs, yelping with joy at the sound of his voice, came bounding to him, while the ponies reared and plunged in the excess of their excitement. Tad leaped from his mount, petting and fondling the hounds, hugging them as they leaped upon him, and shouting at the top of his voice, as he heard still another shot on the other side of the hill. A few moments later, he made out the figures of two horsemen on the opposite ridge, following on in the trail of the dogs. They were Ned Rector and the guide, Lige Thomas. The two set up a glad shout as they made out Tad, waving his arms and gesticulating. "'Come on, doggies! It's breakfast for us now!' cried Tad, leaping to Texas's back, leading Jimmy dashing down the hill to meet the oncoming horsemen. Hooray! welcomed Ned Rector. And amid the shouts of the boys and the barking of the dogs, rescuers and rescued drew swiftly towards each other. End of chapter 19